Thanks for joining us for the Westbridge Church Podcast. More information about Westbridge Church is available at westbridgedanville.com. Here's this week's message from Pastor John McDougall. Good morning, church family. Thanks for being here. It's a big day for us as a church as we call this Vision Sunday. If you're new to our church family, it would be helpful context-wise to, to know that our ministry year runs September through August, so we sync up with the school year, and each ministry year we have a theme for the year, really we pick a, a word or two that captures the essence of where we sense God leading us, and then we also have a big initiative which helps drive our mission and help us accomplish the mission that, that God's called us to, which begs the question, what is our mission as a church family? And simply, it's to help people become fully, or help one another become fully devoted followers of Christ. And so today, I thought it would be good as we prepare to talk about this coming year, this 18-19 um, ministry year, to context it a little bit especially if, if you're just joining us. So rolling back over the past two years and, and where we've been, two years ago, the ministry of 1617, our theme was disciple. And we just went after that whole idea of, of okay, if, if our mission is to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, what does that really look like to be a disciple of Jesus? We're called to make disciples. So what does that look like? And we ran with the definition of a disciple is someone who is living with increasing surrender to the empowering lordship of Jesus Christ. We know that moment starts when we receive the gift of salvation, what, what Christ came to do for us on the cross. But then we begin a journey of increasing surrender to his, his leadership in our lives. We know that uh, God... We talked about the reality that God begins a work in us. He begins, he begins to change us to become like Christ. But perfection is not a possibility in this life. We, we will never be completely perfect like Christ. But we, we went after that word teleon. And you see it all throughout the New Testament. It's the word that's often translated mature. It's the idea of spiritual fitness. And it is true we won't be perfect, but it is possible as we follow Christ, to mature to a point where we are strong, spiritually fit, soul strong, to accomplish the good that God created us to accomplish. And so we went after it, and we talked about the training plan. God calls us to train ourselves in Timothy to be like Christ. And we, we talked about the reality that if you said, go run a marathon to me today, I can't, can't do it. Can't, four-letter word, we don't say that. But reality is I would bonk very hard. It would take me a long time to do that. But if you train... We can do it, right? You, you put in a training plan, so it is spiritually. To be like Christ doesn't just happen, but it comes through training. So we say, okay, what is, how do we get there? And, and this is where we say, okay, I hope every person who is a part of our church family that year and even today has a really clear, we call it the Kroger test. If you're down at Kroger and you're opening up the milk, milk uh, cooler there to get your milk and someone says, hey, What's your life mission? You're like, well, it's to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. And, but then they go a step further and say, okay, if that's it, how do you get there? How do you go from A to B? How do you become, go from devoted to Christ to fully devoted to Christ? And you can say, I got it. And we went after our disciple training plan. Five habits that lead to five heart attitudes that help us look like Christ and follow Christ and help us become strong. And if you don't have haven't seen this. We have these in the back. 
but we hit it, and we'll be talking through this at the start of our new ministry year, but the first is worship, that we were created to worship, which is really expressing our love to God. The habit is we gather weekly. So once a week, I'm showing up with the family of God for the rest of my life to grow in my love for God. Second is reach. God left us here to be a, his light, his witness to the reality of the gospel. And so reach is really we're, we're living with compassion for people who don't know Christ. And so the habit is we're all praying for one person, at least, who may not have a relationship with God yet. The third is connect. God created us to do life in community. And so the habit is small group. We're gathering with other Jesus followers. And the, the heart attitude is that we're growing in love for each other. And we know our love for each other is the apologetic that, that those on the outside of our, that may not know Christ yet, look and see and say, wow, how does that happen? We say, it's him. The third, fourth is grow. And this is that idea of continuing to grow to be more like Christ. The habit is every day, daily, we meet with God. And we call this our chair time. Happens different times. For me, it's in the morning, but I, I sit on a chair, open God's word, and I meet with him. And it becomes one of the best times of the day as we hear from him and, and talk with him and process life, receive our marching orders for the day to come. And the, 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 what it's growing in us is a courage born of faith to take the next step in our faith journey. And then the last is serve. And that's where we understand that, that the church doesn't have a few ministers. Every member of the body of Christ is a minister and has been called by God to serve. And so we... Uh, all, we all have a ministry, that's the habit, the heart attitude that we're, we're growing is humility. So this is how Christ lives. As we say, I want to live like this. We want to be like Christ, we must train. And so this is what it looks like. But there is an ever-present threat that can derail life mission, that can stunt our our spiritual growth, but also that can really derail what got the good that God created us to do for his glory. And it was last year that we went after it. It's despair. And I, it became a holy discontent in my heart as I was watching it take some people out, and the clouds of despair move in. And the reality is I was thinking about our inheritance as followers of Jesus Christ is that the, the life circumstances that would create despair have no power over the hope, the joy, and the peace that Jesus Christ offers us. And yet, it's taken people out. Despair moves in and, and strength to do life mission goes. And so last year, our theme was hope. We said, all right, if we do one thing, let's go over and grab the, the string and let's raise the shade on the unfailing love of God so that it does not matter how big the storm you're in, there's one beam of light coming through into your life, and it's the promise of our God who says, surely my goodness, my love is going to follow you every day of your life. Promise, reality. And as that beam shines in, it dispels gloom. It dispels darkness. And yes, we're human. Yes, we go through seasons of depression, and, and dis, um, but despair doesn't own us. And even in the season as we move through it, we have hope, we have peace, and we have the joy that he's providing now, what do you get when you get a team of people who are living with, in the reality, and putting their hope in the unfailing love of God? And Isaiah tells us, he says, even young men stumble and fall. 
and even young men grow weak and, and tired and stumble and fall. But there's a new breed, a new race. And you remember what he says, Isaiah 40, 30? But those who hope in the Lord, those who have come to faith in Jesus Christ and are putting their hope in him, raising the shade, living in the reality that every day the unfailing love of God is shining on my life, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, run and not grow weary, walk and not be faint. And you have a team. So you put those two together, where we've been, <laughs> and it, it was okay, as, a, as we were, we gathered as a leadership team, as a staff and leadership team, and personally as I went away for the vision retreat, I was like, okay, Lord, where have you taken us? Oh my, you get a team of disciples, a team of people who are living with increasing surrender to the empowering lordship of Jesus Christ, praying your will be done, not my will. That's a dangerous Christian. And you add to that a Christian who cannot be put under despair by life circumstances, whatever life throws at them, they're raising the shade, the unfailing love of God, shining into their soul, lighting them up with energy to live, follow him through it all. Oh, baby. What is God going to do in us and through us this coming year based on where he's been leading us? <laughs> it was like, okay. And we thought about it, we prayed about it, we talked about it, we dreamed about it, and here's what two words surfaced. And the first word was pure, the second word was bless. The first word speaks to our spiritual transformation and a moving into a purity of devotion for our Lord. And we're going to get into that. The message series in October will take us into that word and unpack that. But the second word was bless, and that's where we're going to go in this message series. It's the idea of God, his blessing flowing through us to the people around us. And so I can't wait to see where, where God's going to take us. Today we're going to frame it, and then uh, the next couple weeks, the next three weeks, we'll, we'll unpack it. But I'll go ahead and pray, and we'll, we'll dig into the text. Father, we, uh, as we come here to this doorstep of this next ministry year, we just want to acknowledge again that anything that happens that's of value, we know it must come from you and will come from you and that we are completely dependent on you. Jesus, I thank you for the promise of your presence. And so I pray that, uh, that as we look to this year and even today as we look into your word, that you would be obviously present, actively in charge of our lives, that you would lead us, guide us, direct us. I pray that you would bring us into harmony with your will and with one another, that we might accomplish what it is that you've called us to accomplish. I pray that you would purify our hearts, Father, help our hearts beat with a pure love for you and for each other, and for those who are, may not know you yet. I thank you for each person that you've brought here today. I know it's not coincidence, but this is part of your plan. I pray that you would light us up with your word, that we might live it out for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And by the way, may I, before we get started, just say I, that I love you as your pastor, and I was uh, just reflecting back on life. It feels like life is moving quick right now, and just the gift to get to share life with you at this moment in your journey and then together follow Christ is a treasure. And I know that uh, I think God puts a, a unique 
love on, I'm a little biased, but I think this is the most beautiful, powerful, wonderful team of Jesus followers on the planet, and so grateful for the chance to, to serve our Lord together. But let's dig into the word here. We, we have uh, well, Genesis chapter 12 is where we'll begin. We're going to meet a guy named Abram, 75 years old, married to a beautiful lady named Sarai. She's 65. They are financially successful. Life's pretty good for them. But they have an ache in their soul. If you know the story, you know it's they are without child, and they're longing to have a child. Genesis 12 we read a, a promise that God gives Abram that's really foundational to his whole redemptive plan. Powerful moment here. As he begins, the text says, The Lord had said to Abram, I love the way this text begins, in that it reminds us who's the hero of this story and every story. It's not Abram, it's not a human, it's our Lord. And it says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go, and go is the word to circle in this text. Go from your country, but I like it here. Go from your people, my people. Yes, and go from your father's household, my family. Let's go. And to the land that I will show you. And as we read this first verse, the tension that you feel in this moment is, what do you do when God whispers to you, go? Go from what's, un, what's familiar, what you treasure, what you like. Life as it is right now, exit a comfort zone and go. Notice that he doesn't give Abram the, the destination. It's not like he tells him on his Google Maps, you know, okay, you're going to go from here to there. He's just saying, go, start. Get, get started to where I'm going to, to leave you. He doesn't give him the destination, but he does give him the promise. Check it out. He says, go Verse 2, and I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And here comes the kicker. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through, did he say all? All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So here's the big idea. As we see God call Abraham and then add this promise, the big idea is this, and we see this repeated throughout Scripture. We don't have time to get into all the, those moments, but here it is. The blessing of God flows to us that it might flow through us. What he's saying to Abraham is, I will bless you and through you bless all people. Now, when we say bless, what, what, what are we talking about there? When God is telling Abraham, I'm going to bless you, that's, it's kind of a, a churchy word. It's kind of a white noise word that we say when somebody sneezes or, you know, blessing over the meal, whatever. What does bless mean? You stop and think about it, really, bless is, to bless someone is really love in motion. It's, it's love doing good things, a motive of love, pouring out good things to someone in a specific way in their life. So as you think about a time when you, you recently or you just thought, man, I, that person just completely blessed my life. <laughs> Do you remember the moment? What was it? It, it was something that you needed. Maybe it was a, a delicious meal when you were hungry. A, a blessing is it's a cup of cold water when, when you're thirsty. 
A blessing is, is goodness in motion. It's love, really love showing up on our front doorstep in a way that, that we so appreciate it. it it's, it's a child in your arms. When you didn't have a child, it's a blessing. It, it's the way, when, when, way out when you were lost, confused, perhaps didn't know where you were, and somehow you find the way out or, or the way out is provided for you. Know, what a blessing. Now, when God says he's going to bless, the creator is going to pour out good, what's that look like? Abram is about to find out. Now, notice that uh, he's saying, Abram, you will be blessed to bless. But notice the, the blessing of God hinges on a scary little word back in verse 1. It's that word, go. Go from your country. Go from your people. Go from your family. Go from all that is familiar. Follow me into the uncertain fog. Leave the security of, of life as you know it and go. So not only do we learn that the blessing of God flows to us, that it might flow through us, but we learn this, and this is foundational as we follow Christ. It's all throughout Scripture, again and again and again, always. The blessing of God flows to us that it might throw, flow through us, but it hinges always, always, always on our obedience to the command and the lead of our God. We see it here in the Father of our faith. We see it all throughout Scripture. What will you do with the go? The blessing of God hinges on it, both to you and through you. So what did Abram do? How's the story play out? And I love that verse 4. If you look there, we'll go ahead and put it up on the screen. What's the verse say? So Abram went. Don't you love the simplicity of that? What do you do when God says go? You go. Easy to say, <laughs> but, but the the challenge in that statement, you know, you, you felt it in your own life. As he calls you into to the, the unfamiliar, into what may be risk and what may be a challenge. So the question comes to us, was God good for his promise? He said, if you'll go, I will bless you. Was he good for his promise? And if you know the story, you know, we don't have time to go into it. Yes, a thousand times yes. He gave this, this family who's... Sarah's womb was as good as dead, the text says later. But God, the giver of life, put a little life, precious little life, into her womb. And she gave birth to this son, Isaac, who was named Laughter. And then to Isaac, gave a child. So Abraham and Sarah have a grandson, and, and Isaac is, gives birth to Jacob. And Jacob, if you know his life, is a complete idiot, really, deserving of nothing. And yet God blesses him with 12 sons and the blessing that was given here. Why grace? picture of God's grace, which he pours out on us as well. And the 12 sons, he changes Jacob's name to Israel, gives him these boys. They end up in Egypt, and even in that situation, they become a great nation. But the great treasure of this nation wasn't their size. It was that the living God said, you are my possession, and you will have my presence if you will walk with me. He promises his presence to them, and he says, you will be a kingdom of priests. And what is a priest? What's a priest do? A priest is really someone who helps people who are far from God come close to God, connect with him. We know as the body of Christ, each, each of us in this day is a priest. 
but to this nation, he said, you're going to be a nation that, that the light of who I am is going to shine to all the other nations as you walk with me and experience my blessing, and it's going to cause people to, you're going to have the opportunity to lead people into the joy of knowing me, and yet they turn from him. They despise the blessing, and they put themselves under the curse, and horrible situation after situation. It's the story. You read about it, and it would cause a, a young Hebrew girl to ask her dad, dad, is the promise that God gave Abraham, that, that when Abraham went, he would bless him, is it over? To which Matthew begins his gospel. 400 years of silence. We turn to Matthew chapter 1, and how does he begin it? This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of who? Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, does God keep his promise? <laughs> Matthew would say, watch this. Really, the gospel of Matthew is a, a gospel to the, the nation of, of Israel, showing them that the promise to Abraham has been fulfilled in the coming of Jesus Christ. And it's interesting, as Jesus shows up, Matthew chapter 5, he, Matthew um, gives us a window into he's on a mountainside he's sitting there with his disciples to teach him and it's profound what's the first word out of the first message recorded from our Lord most familiar message and powerful message really I think that he preaches and that that's recorded what's the first word and he re, re, uh, repeats it nine times in this start of his talk do you remember Matthew chapter 5 yes where he says Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What's a person who's poor in spirit comes to God, not based on our own sufficiency, our own merit, but rather, God, I've got nothing to give you. I'm a beggar. I'm poor, uh, complete poverty to be right with you. And it moves to that second one that says, blessed are those who mourn. It's that idea of confessing our sin, for they will be comforted. And it's the picture of the gospel. As we come, God, I've got nothing to offer you, he says, I've paid your price. What Jesus came to do, and he comforts us. As you put your faith and trust in him, you have a relationship with me. And then he goes on, blessed are the meek. It's that idea of humility, putting the needs of others above ourselves. For they will inherit the earth. In this dog-eat-dog, climb-on-each-other world to get ahead, the creator is watching. And anytime you put a need of somebody else above you and you lose, he's saying, hey, another day coming when I will parcel out the earth and the meek they will inherit it blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness the people who long to live a life that's pleasing to God for they will be filled blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy blessed are the pure in heart to be pure in heart is to want one thing for they will see God Blessed are the peacemakers, the people who, who, when there's division and disunity, come as our Lord came to bring people together versus create um, further division. And what's it say about these people who live to see people, relationships restored? It says they will be called children of God. When does the Father in heaven say, that's my boy, that's my girl? It's when he sees someone not creating disunity, but rather drawing people together. And then blessed 
are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they were persecuted, for the same way they persecuted the prophets who, who were before me. So what's happening here? As we see Jesus giving this first talk, what's he doing? What's he teaching us? This is the promise given to Abraham that, that God will bless him and through Abraham bless all peoples being fulfilled initially in Christ. We know the cross is coming and, and it'll be fleshed out. But initially, what's Jesus doing? He's saying to all of us, if you want to be blessed by God, this is how. This is the way. This is it. Isn't that all? It's like, this is how. But what's profound is, God doesn't bless us so that we would just hop in our inner tube and paddle around on the lazy river of blessing, right? What did he say to Abraham? I will bless you, and through you, all peoples will be blessed. What's Jesus do? The creator come down, fulfilling the promise. He says, right now I'm showing you the way of blessing. Walk in this. But watch what he does in verse 13. He turns it, and he says, speaks into our identity. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out, trampled underfoot. What's he saying? You guys, you have been blessed. You know the way of, the, the way of life in Christ. But you haven't been blessed to, to, to leave it like that. You've been blessed to be a, a blessing by being the salt of the earth. And when we think of salt, we think of the salt shaker usually, like just the flavor stuff. But that wasn't the primary use of salt in this culture, and I think Jesus is meaning here, the purpose of salt in this culture was to keep meat from rotting. It was a preserving agent that you would rub on meat to stem the ever-present onslaught of decay. And so what's he saying? What's, what's the parallel into the spiritual world? We live in a world where the presence of sin, which is really the, the temptation to do life ourselves, live outside the blessing of God, thinking we know, and we're saying my will be done versus God's will be done. That force is ever-present, seeking to decay the soul of humanity, each one of us. And if we start living for our own, in our own will, in our own way, our soul will rot. It will disintegrate. Sin always disintegrates relationship with God, relationship with each other, relationship with ourself. And you can see it again and again and again. And Jesus is saying, okay, as you follow me in the way of blessing, you are the agent in this world to stem the ever-present onslaught of decay where sin is present in the souls of the people around you. Both culturally, we see it in nations, nations who are filled with a healthy church, that nation thrives like ours has been doing. But when we drift, and, and then we see it personally, I think the, really the focus here is the personal, so that we don't move out of relationship with people who are, their souls are decaying with sin, but rather we're moving into relationship with people who are far from God. Souls are being eaten up by the ever-present decay of, of not knowing the way of blessing. Does that make sense? But he goes on. He says, not only are you the, the uh, agent preventing moral decay, but he says in verse 14, you are the light of the world. A light on a, on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a light under a lamp 
put, put a light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, you let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. What's the good deeds? That's blessing going out, right? It's love in motion, that they may see your good deeds. And what's the ultimate purpose of God making us a blessing? Glorify the Father, that we may glorify the Father in heaven. So when he says, you are the light of the world to us, what's he saying? What's he getting at? I know it's a familiar expression. We sing the song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. But what's he talking about there? What does a light do? By, by definition, a light dispels darkness. And, and so in the spiritual realm, what is darkness? Darkness is trying to live a life without the illumination of the teaching of our Lord, the way of blessing, the first part of, of his sermon. So he's saying, as you live your life blessed by me in the way of blessing, be with those who don't have the light. Connect. Let your light shine as you do good, as, you, as you're my presence there. And as you do, you are the light of the world, the blessing of God flowing through you. Church, we are plan A. There is no plan B for the blessing of God to flow. And it's the promise to Abraham fulfilled in Jesus Christ, being fulfilled in the body of Christ. Isn't that an awesome picture? And calling on our lives. And so, the, uh, the big idea of the day, just bringing it all together here, knowing we've been, or we'll put it into an action step here. We'll go ahead and, and move into, okay, what do we do with this? How do we put this into play in our lives? Knowing that we've been blessed to bless, let's go be a blessing. Knowing we've been blessed to bless, what's our, let's go. What did God say to Abraham? Go. Now, it's going to mean exiting our comfort zones, safety of, of really life as we know it. Now, the question, if you study the Bible, there's, you know there's different degrees of application. When God said go to Abraham, is that, the, is that a go to us, to pick up, pack up our bags and move to the Mediterranean area? No, that's not our go, but what is our go? And Jesus was clear on it here. Go. Be salt. Be light. Engage in a world that's far from me. You are the light of the world. You haven't been given this blessing to sit on it, to bury it, to huddle up and, and just hang out until I return. Go. Make disciples of all nations. All nations. Why? Because the promise given to Abraham is being fulfilled through us. God's doing it. Do you see that, you guys? It's like this isn't on us. It's not like, oh boy, is this going to happen? It will happen. The question is, are we going to be part of it? The redemptive plan of God in this time and place, and specifically in this coming year, 1819. So thinking about that, it helps to put this into a, a picture. And this was a, a game day decision. So this may be a little raw, but <laughs> we'll go with it, and sometimes when you see it in a picture, it's helpful, and I apologize to those in the balcony for the lack of uh, clarity, but I think the big idea will come through. The, uh, there's that moment in each of our lives, and hope, hopefully you've had this moment. If you haven't, we want you to know you're welcome here, but this is really the most important decision that we make 
and we call it our conversion, but where, where we come to Christ, we understand that we've been separated by God, by our sin, and there's nothing we can do to fix it. But Jesus came, died on the cross for our sin, and, and says, whoever believes in me, that I'm your substitute, will receive the promise, forgiveness of sin and the promise of eternal life, which is a relationship with, with our Father. And when we enter this relationship, there's one word that you can use to describe it. it Paul says it in Ephesians 1.3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Not, we did nothing to deserve it, but we received this blessing. But then we know life, okay, it's a journey of, of becoming and following Christ. Each one of us given a unique life mission. And our focus is, last year, hope, really it's saying, we're living for the well done. This is not our home. We're citizens of heaven. We're living for our Lord's well done. That's our focus. That's our hope. But while we're here, here's the mission. Jesus said simply, follow me into a life of love. And so we fix our eyes on him. We start the journey. But it's a progress, right? It's a process of, of growing, maturing. And just like kids, when you have a little baby, it's all about them, right? Look, the process of maturing as kids is learning life is not about me, but it's a process. And so we, we start out with this prayer. And this is not a bad prayer, but it's the dominant prayer. It kind of owns us. Bless me, Lord. Think about your prayer life, and it's, Lord, did you bless me? And bless me there, and bless me there, bless me there. Not a bad thing, again. But at some point, growing up as we follow Christ, the prayer must change to, Lord, would you make me a blessing? Would you make me a blessing? And I know you've blessed me, but would you make me a blessing? Now, as a church family, and this is where really important. What can cause us to stop being salt and stop being light? We get stuck paddling around in the blessing, and we begin to think it's about us being blessed. Now, as a team, God puts us together as a, a team, and this is one of his great blessings, that we follow Christ together as a, a unit. And these are, when you think about church and what you love about our church, really, the first, the biggest thing is it's people who we love. And then it's also, there's programs that we develop from age to age, time to time, that help us do mission, follow Jesus together, unique for this time and age. Then there's also a place that, that we appreciate. These are, again, gifts of God's provision. I was thinking about our place here, the 40 acres God's given us to be a blessing, to use for him as we help others. But we treasure it, don't we? I, I was some, I'll come in here during the week just to pray over this hour and over you and often my mind will run to um, just, Lord, thank you for the decisions that have been made in this place. And even me as a little boy sitting over there in this space, um, we appreciate the place that God gives us. But, but the place isn't the main thing, right? It's not primary. And then you have the, uh, your leaders, various leaders. The, God tells us in Ephesians 4, they're a gift to your preachers and your teachers, etc., What's interesting about all this is this is all temporary. Hey, <laughs> the, uh, it's all temporary. These things all change, right? Now, here's what can happen to a church. If we, have, if we don't move from, Lord, bless me, to make me a blessing, we begin to look at these things. 
as primary and really hanging on to these as as a central in terms of, of what we're desiring and what that does is limit the blessing of God. When we start praying, Lord, bless me, it becomes about me. And the body of Christ was never meant to be about us. By definition, following Jesus, when he says, take up your cross and follow me, he's calling us to live a life of surrender, to live for others, to live for a lost and broken world, not for us. Now, we need each other, and God gave us this grace to build each other up, and we need to be good at all these things, and, and uh, there's that. But guys, we must make the move to, Lord, I could really care less who I'm around. I could really care less what the program is, what the place is, or who the preacher is. I'm showing up today to be a blessing. And I can go into any group, any place, whatever, and I will bring my best eyes on you, Jesus. Because this is all changeable, and it will change. But there's one thing that isn't going to change, and it's Jesus Christ, his presence with us, his calling to us, his word that nourishes us and guides us, his spirit that's empowering us, and his love that fuels us. That's what, it's what makes us salt. It's what makes us light. That's, and it's through that kind of church and people who are praying, Lord, make me a blessing, not bless me, but make me a blessing, that the power of God flows and his blessing flows. Does that make sense? It, uh, so, question then, what does that look like for us as a church family this coming year? And that's where this BLESS initiative comes in. And so excited for this, our elder leadership team, led by my brother Rob, on this initiative, as well as Fred Klein's leading the small groups, uh, Seth Baker working on this, as well, as well as J.D. Lane with the logistics. We, we stole this idea from another church, and actually it came out of our small group. Um, and then a couple years ago, we, we also did this. Great idea with the acrostic, but it just captures the essence of, of where we're sensing the Lord leading us. And what, this is really a strategy out of the life of Christ, as we see Jesus beginning with prayer. And just praying, Lord, who would you have me bless? Thinking first about family, then small group, then neighborhood, work, people around me. Who would you have me bless? And then listen to, uh, as Christ listened. I pictured him at, with the woman at the well, just listening to her. Where's she at? And hearing where, where the people are that are around us. And then eating together. And this is that idea of, remember when Jesus was eating with, uh, said they, he eats with sinners and, ta and uh, tax collectors and He's like, guys, yeah, that's why I came. <laughs> it, it, it was to reach them, to bless them. And then serve is where we, uh, we're not thinking about our own needs, but we're living to, okay, how can I be a blessing now in this context, Lord? What would you have me do in this, in this area? And then share is the gospel. And that's that idea of ultimately the greatest good that we can give anyone is the message of hope, salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. But it flows out of this desire to be a blessing and just to play the part that God's called us to. So what's the game plan? The game plan is for the next three weeks here in Big Church Worship Time, we're going to be focused on being equipped to bless and really excited about three essentials we'll be looking at over the next three weeks. We're also providing our elder teams, providing a class that's going to go really deep dive into how to share the gospel. And that happens at the 9 o'clock hour and the 10.30 hour back in the fireside room. So everyone's invited to that. And then what's neat is our small groups are going to sync up with this as well. 
each for the next five weeks, our small groups will take a letter and just break down that letter and pray for each other on it, encourage each other with it, and just talk through that as a team. And then on September 30th, so you might mark your calendar, big day for us as a church. I was getting feedback one time from a guy that was uh, saying, you know, honestly, John, when you give out your challenges, I kind of, I don't do them really because I know there's going to be another challenge next week. And it's like, oh, okay, good feedback. But uh, <laughs> so said, this year, this is going to be the big challenge, all right? And it's going to be the big commitment. September 30th, we change by our commitments, don't we? And there's just something as humans, we, when we write it down, sign our name and say, I'm in. And that's going to be the day we'll be challenged to make a blessed commitment. And if you aren't going to be here that day, you can make the commitment ahead of time. But uh, that'll be a, an important day for us as a church family. So bringing it all together, knowing that we've been blessed to bless, let's go be a blessing. With the confidence of knowing this is, this is a promise, ancient, given to Abraham, fleshed out in the life and death of Jesus Christ for us, and now being lived out in the year 1819 through the body of Christ here in Danville, Indiana, we have been called to go be a blessing. And so today, excited to welcome the, uh, Ogburn, uh, the Ogburn family, Stephen Ginger, as well as the Davis family, Chad and, and Shara. And as I was thinking about their stories, Tam and I and the kids had an opportunity to join them for lunch a couple weeks ago. And it was just a powerful picture of really this message in play. As Steve and Ginger were uh, moved over to uh, Pittsburgh and did, were not living a Christ-centered life. And a neighbor was, had been blessed by God, had received Christ, heard the nudge, go. Go? Yeah, go invite them to your church. And they did. And Steve and Ginger went, heard the gospel. Her soul, their souls were convicted of their sin before God. And they wanted their family to be Christ-centered and connected with God. They weren't sure how. And it was the day a pastor, too, was nudged to go and sit in their living room. And he led them to faith in Jesus Christ. And that impacted their family. And Shara Davis, being their daughter, first grader, she's in school at Bethesda there. And the first grade teacher heard the nudge go and share the gospel with this, this girl. And it was as a young girl, childlike faith, trusted Christ. Well, meanwhile, you have her now husband, Chad, who, if you know, uh, grew up in uh, playing Hendricks County basketball. Chad's, Google him with Brownsburg basketball, one of the, he was all about, he's a driven young man, driven to succeed in whatever he does, but as a kid, his family was falling apart. And as dad, out of the picture, mom, not lit, it wasn't a Christ-centered home, and his buddy, his hooping buddy, heard the nudge to go and invited Chad to come with him to church. And before his freshman year, Chad received the gift of salvation and began to follow Christ. Ups and downs, definitely, but today continues. And their little son, Coy, neat story of how God gave them Coy. But um, the, the gospel and the blessing of God flowing through people who are obedient to his call. Isn't it awesome? This is, these are lives their eternal destinies forever changed, and we are plan A in that. So bringing it all together one more time, knowing that we've been blessed to be a blessing, let's go. Be the blessing that God's calling us to be. Now, 
thinking about this coming year, what's the vision for this year? So at the end of, when we're at, on August, last Sunday in August, what are we hoping God will do in us and through us? And here it is, you guys, that by the end of this year, he will work a, tr- a spiritual transformation in us so that we're not people who do good things and do, do blessings to others. But we are a people who have been so purified with his love and have a pure devotion beating in our souls that we are by DNA blessing to those around us. Wouldn't that be cool? By the end of this year, you don't have to think, all right, Lord, help me be a blessing today. You just wake up and you're already thinking it. It's who you are. That's what he's doing. He promises that. Colossians chapter 3, the the everyday creed where he says, we are being recreated by knowledge. We take his word into the image of our creator to be like Christ. Can you imagine the impact of 800 of us saying, if we're committed to this, saying every day I'm waking up praying this prayer, make me a blessing, make me a blessing, make me a blessing, and then we become that DNA level where we don't have to think about it, but just showing up in the room, we're blessing people? What's going to (laughs) happen? That's a dangerous church for the glory of God and the good of, of our community. And so out of that, we're praying not only spiritual transformation, but geographic saturation for the light of the gospel such that, and here's our prayer, God, would you give us a light in every neighborhood in the town of Danville, somebody who is living to bless from our church in every neighborhood in this town, and then we started talking as a team. We have influence all over our county. Many of you, uh, Shara Davis is a teacher at Brownsburg, coach at Brownsburg. We have coaches at Tri-West, Oppie. So what if God gave us, and this may take a couple years, but a light from our church, not only in every neighborhood here in Danville, but every neighborhood in Hendricks County for his glory. Not so that we can be a big church. It's not about a big church. It's about letting the blessing of God flow through us to the people around us for his glory. It's being salt and light, obedient to his command, going even though it's uncomfortable. Isn't that awesome? Are you in? I'm giving my life to it. And then we said, okay, let's, let's think about being a blessing to churches in rural areas that are struggling. And then let's think about where in the world Father, is it darkest? And it may be India. Already we're, we're putting lights in, in countries like Turkey and others, but where would you have us? What's the next light you want us to plant? Somewhere in this world where it's darkest. And to begin praying around that end of the year to see more lights birth for the glory of God. I, I know the question that comes to mind, and we get fired up on a vision, and then Monday hits, right? Why? Why do this? There's only one reason, ultimately. It's because there was a day that you and I were lost. Souls decaying by the effects of sin. We couldn't see. We were in darkness. We didn't know which way to go for life. And when the father said to his son, go, he went. He took our sin to the cross, died on our place, in our place, and then he said, follow me. Why go be a blessing? It's all for him. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. Thank you for this vision that that you've birthed through your word in the hearts of your people. And Lord, it is our prayer this year, if, 
when it's all said and done, that we would just be faithful to your calling, to not only live in your blessing, Jesus, the, this position that you've given us of, of walking with you and, and knowing your will and your word, but that we would share your blessing. God, I pray you would grow us up, that we would not only pray, bless me, but we would move to the, the prayer that truly glorifies you and makes us people who are conduits of your grace and your goodness, that we would pray, make me a blessing. And then when you say go, we're going for your glory. I pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.